0: Chapter 49 of Wanted a Pedigree. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. Wanted a Pedigree by Martha Finlay. Chapter 49 Retribution mrs craven was on the downhill of life upwards of sixty years of age she had fretted herself into bad health since the death of her son refusing to go out for necessary air and exercise and for the most part keeping the sweet light of heaven excluded from her apartments and leading as gloomy and secluded an existence as that of a cloistered nun the terrible excitement of that day, followed by the unusual fatigue of a long walk, exposed to the direct rays of a burning summer sun, had well-nigh completed the work of destruction, and on reaching the village inn she had found herself so ill as to be forced to take to her bed, and that with the feeling that she was never to rise from it again she had talked of weariness of life and of longing to lay down its burdens and rest in the grave but now that death was really staring her in the face her sins rose up before her and she grew wild with terror and despair she knew that dr Monteith was reckoned a skilful physician and there was no other within many miles in whom she had any confidence therefore and because she thought his forgiveness for her crimes against him and his would alleviate in some measure the sharp stings of an awakened conscience she had begged that he might be sent for without delay the glow of the sunset had quite faded from the western sky the hills loomed up darkly on every side and the stars were coming out one by one as the doctor and his companions adolphus and the messenger from the inn set out on a rapid walk from avonmore to the village the landlord met them at the tavern door evidently full of curiosity ah doctor how do you do glad to see you haven't had the pleasure of seeing you in these parts for a long while mrs craven's very bad poor woman can't think what brought her here but she's very bad and in a terrible way because there's no priest at hand is there not one residing in the village asked the doctor Yes but he's absent at present and the only other one within twenty miles is down sick where shall i find mrs craven this way sir if you please annie hurried forward mounting the stairs to the first floor and conducted the physician to a rather small room plainly but very comfortably furnished and beautifully neat and clean a shaded lamp burned on a stand in one corner and beside it in an arm-chair sat martin looking grave and solemn while her mistress lay tossing and moaning on the bed her fierce black eyes looking larger and blacker and fiercer than ever in contrast to the pale sunken hollow cheeks i thought you would never come she cried starting up with a wild look as dr monteith entered you and the man that was sent to bring you must have crept along like snails i wonder you were not in greater haste to hear what further confessions death could wring from delilah craven ha ha he's come and i'm not so glad of it as i thought i should be ernest montieth and she clasped his arm with a death-like grip as he drew near and laid his finger on her pulse ernest montieth they say you have such skill as could all but raise the dead keep me alive till morning till i can get a priest here to absolve me from my sins and administer the last rites of the church her hand loosened its hold and she fell back grasping for breath mrs craven he said leaning over her and speaking in low tones of intense earnestness look to that priest who is ever near ever ready to listen to the cry of the returning penitent and who is able to save to the utmost don't waste time in talk she cried again starting up but only to fall back again with a bitter groan i'm dying don't you see it give me something to keep life in me till i can have the last rites of my church and die in peace it is not in my power he said you have spoken truly death is here and no mortal hand may stay his uplifted dart ah you will not try she shrieked where now is your boasted religion that teaches you to return good for evil i have but robbed you for a few years of wealth which was more mine than yours and of the company of wife and children and for this you would rob me of my soul curse you curse you and you may die in agony ten times greater than mine you misjudge me he said with much emotion god knows i would grant your request if it were possible that i would make any effort to save you especially to secure your soul's salvation but i know that you have not an hour to live and that jesus christ alone is able to save you from eternal death and i entreat you to flee at once to him there is no salvation out of the true church she muttered and why after all should i so dread death have i not done much to purchase heaven look here and tearing open the bosom of her night dress, she showed him that she wore underneath it a garment of coarse haircloth which must have kept up a constant irritation of the skin then opening it in turn she displayed beneath it a cross with sharp edges that had cut and worn into the flesh making a frightful sore and that is not all she said with a costly smile as he turned away with a look of pain sorrowful disgust since my son died i have fasted two days out of every week fasted from everything but bread and water partaking but sparingly of them and never never have i been guilty of allowing the smallest morsel of meat to pass my lips on friday and i have for very many years rigidly observed every fast and feast of the church Ah, if I could but live to receive her last rites, all could not fail to be well. Ernest, Montieth, you must, you shall, keep me from dying till this can be accomplished. As she spoke, she glared at him with her fierce malignant eyes, over which the film of death was already gathering, and with her dying fingers again clutched madly at his arm oh that i could prolong your life if but for a single hour that you might have some short space for repentance he groaned deeply moved oh ask help of him who alone can give it cease trusting in the filthy rags of your own righteousness and plead to be washed from your sins in his atoning blood ah you will not save me your hatred pursues me to the grave curse you curse you she muttered her fingers fell from his arm a look of wild terror and despair passed over her face she gasped once twice and was gone martin fell down upon her knees hiding her face and shuddering from head to foot while dr Monteith turned away with a heavy sigh and such a feeling of sickening horror as he had never known before though he had stood by hundreds of death-beds and yet he did not fear indeed scarcely thought of the curses she had heaped upon his head the following day the montriettes left avonmore for wald but returned a week later bringing aunt lettuce and lily with them the ladies remained during the summer and early autumn months the two physicians coming and going as business or pleasure dictated there was no lack of the best society old friends and new hastened to welcome them to the neighbourhood and to offer congratulations on the recovery of the property of which they had been so long unjustly deprived nor were admirers wanting to the heiress of avonmore and her friend lily was circumspect and gave ernest no cause for complaint but had marchant been there his jealousy need not have died out for want of fuel to feed its flame yet nina smiling graciously upon all alike really tried to give undue encouragement to none the last of october found them all together at wald occupied with the old duties and the old pleasures they mingled more in general society than formerly nina and lily having quite arrived at the dignity of young ladyhood but their pleasures were principally of the quiet kind the girls were almost inseparable during the day the greater part of which was usually spent with aunt lettuce while the gentlemen were busied with the duties of their profession but in the evening when no company was present the lovers were apt to be completely absorbed in each other as lovers will and aunt lettuce to drop asleep in her chair then nina devoted herself to her father who was never weary of her society her sweetest songs her finest performances on the piano and harp were for him and she valued praise from no other source so highly they enjoyed many a book together reading aloud to her while she worked or if very weary leaning back in his cushioned chair while she read to him nina seemed very happy and indeed she was except now and then when she could not banish the thought of marchant and the growing fear that all was over between them she tried to forget him and to believe that she had never loved him and it was seldom she indulged her hungry heart with so much as a glance at the long closely written letters received from him by her father and ernest yet not unfrequently they were read aloud in the family circle and she dared not run away for fear of exciting remark and suspicion of the true state of affairs between her and the writer she was obliged to sit still and listen while they with their lively detail of incidents of travel and graphic descriptions of scenery and people sometimes beautiful and charming ladies his own countrywomen or natives of the land he was visiting perhaps did more than his presence might have done to keep bright his image in her heart and make it grow dearer than before chapter forty nine